Amen. Good evening, everyone. Good evening to our online community. Um, if this is your first time connecting with us, um, kindly indicate to uh, uh, online pastors so that we can love up on you. And we want to say welcome on behalf of our pastor and leadership of Gospel House to God's favorite house. Amen. And we pray that uh, the Lord will transform your life as you continually engage with us in the mighty name of Jesus. So this is Tribe. As we know, it's an interactive session. So feel free to ask your questions, but of, or I mean, preferably at the end of the teaching. So if you have a question, kindly note it while we teach and um, you have an opportunity to ask that question at the end of the teaching. So today we continue on our journey uh, through the book of Acts of the Apostles, and we are in chapter 19 already, and we've not even gone half, halfway to the book of um, Acts, and um, we'll be reading um, chapter 11, chapter 11 today from verse 1 to 18, it's on the screen, so follow me as I read. It says from the NLT, soon the Jews, the news rather, reached the apostles and other believers in Judea, that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, they said. Then Peter told them exactly what had happened. He said, I was in a town of Joppa, he said. While I was praying, I went into a trance and saw a vision, something like a large sheet was let down, by its corners from the sky and it came down to me when I looked inside the sheet I saw all sorts of tame and wild animals reptiles and birds and I heard a voice say get up Peter kill and eat them no Lord I replied I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean but the voice from heaven spoke again do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This happened three times before the sheet and all it contained was pulled back to heaven. Just then, three men who had been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. The Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers here accompanied me and we soon entered the home of the man who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and had told him, send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. As I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was to stand, who was to stand in God's way? Who was I to stand in God's way? Thank you. 
when the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. May the Lord bless the reading and understanding of these words in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, two weeks ago, uh, I think uh, the week before that as well, Pastor Nina and Pastor Joyce had I mean, done an awesome job in teaching us um, about the prejudice, prejudices and um, the dangers or, of misconceptions that people, even believers, carry at times. You know, in fact, our text today says um, uh, Peter recounted chapter 10. He was recounting what had happened in chapter 10 to believers as well. Interesting, was among believers and was recounting um, what had happened to them. And in case you missed any of those teachings, please go, bo- go back to our YouTube channel if you're online as well. Go back to our YouTube channel after watching this teaching so you can understand um, where we are coming from. Uh, because we will not take a lot of, t- I mean, we won't spend a lot of time covering what has already been thoroughly dealt with. Let's just give a clap of freedom to our teachers that bring amazing expositions. Amen. So no needs for reputation. So um, this passage um, is, is a summary of what happened when a setting, or what happens when a certain group of believer, uh, people, in this case believers, have a grouse. Like in the case of Peter, they had a grouse and even criticized Peter as a leader. So we see Peter being criticized as a leader. Have you ever been criticized before? Anybody here that's never been criticized? Okay, so we are all in good company. So we get to be criticized every now and then. The question is how did Peter respond to criticism? Permit me to um, reintroduce you. Um, Last time I had an opportunity to speak about um, Peter from um, uh, was it uh, part 16, right? I I, I did uh, a CV on Peter. So permit me to reintroduce you to that CV. If CMM can please help us with that CV. Yeah, so we see Peter prior to this time, uh, you know, and like uh, Dr. Okenuzo taught us, before redemption, he was conceited, he was boastful, he was, you know, he struggled with prayerlessness. When Jesus said to him, stick with me and pray so that you will not be sifted like wheat. He couldn't even pray for one hour. He was, I mean, in that case, you can say he was weak. He was carnal, guileful, you know, and in this case, a, a betrayer. So, this was someone that naturally was insecure in himself, that was being questioned once again. Remember when Peter um, followed Jesus, as far as where Jesus was being questioned, he, he, he waited outside and was warming himself in the enemy's fire. And he was questioned by what you can likely say, nobody. And his insecurities got the best of him and he couldn't even um, own up to what was going on. But this same Peter at this point had grown. Peter had grown tremendously. And he had grown at, as a leader and wasn't afraid to have the difficult conversations. So we, as leaders, should be comfortable with the difficult conversations. Never be uncomfortable with a difficult conversation. As a father, as a, as a mother, as a husband to a spouse, the difficult conversations are healthy. And I, I just didn't come up with that. It's something I learned from pastor. He's taught us have a difficult conversation. I think I remember one of the conversations we had, me, Pastor Wick, I remember that if you go into a room <laughs> where there is um, a disagreement and everybody comes out smiling, that means they didn't treat the issue. 
People should come up with bloody nose, right? Even if they're smiling, but you should see signs that that issue has been dealt with. Because why? We are not politicians. We are not, I don't want to call political parties, you know? We are not politicians. We are, we are direct people. We have direct confrontations with people, however, with wisdom. So, do you know that even at this point of um, Peter's leadership, there was a thin line between Peter being stoned, really, and Peter walking out from that room, you know, as the same person that he got into that room. Even though he was among believers, the, what, he, what he said or did not say at that point was a decider on what would happen to him. Those guys were not just asking him, Peter, Peter, hey, you travel, go, Joppa. What did you do? They were asking him questions that, they, they, I mean, that, that, that concerned what they believed in. Like Pastor Joyce taught us last, um, two weeks ago, there are prejudices, if you will say. But in this case, we see even more than um, prejudices as we go along, we will deal with those, those things. So, these, these guys came up with accusations. However, subtle you might want to call those accusations, but they were accusations. You went to Joppa, what were you doing there? We heard that you went into the house of Gentiles and you were, you were frolicking with them. Is that how we do it now, Mr. Peter? You know, so... Not only did you see Peter overcome that fear of um, insecurity, Peter was able to admit to the people as a leader, admitted to them um, you know, in the most gentle way, he admitted that, yes, I, I, did, I did that. I did that. But of course, there was a reason why I did that. And, and not only did Peter say, I, I did that, Peter said, you know what, I had six other guys with me. And these guys didn't have names. Right? That means Peter was responsible for them. If they had names, they probably would have said, and Barnabas, and maybe James. You know the way they call people in the scriptures and say what it is they were doing. Peter said, I and six other guys. Peter was responsible for them. One other thing I took from that is the fact that, you know, in, in the past, Peter was a, was, a, was a lone ranger. But in this time, Peter was saying, you know what? Not only did I do that, I have witnesses. The scripture tells us that on, on the witness of two, things are settled. The testimony is real, right? Peter was saying that I have testimonies that I, with people that can testify that I, I did this. If you, if you go back to Matthew 26 in verse 33, this is the same Peter that was saying to Jesus that if everyone else deserts you, I won't desert you. Peter was saying to Jesus that, you know what, I am stronger than all your other disciples. I don't even need them. I don't need their witness. I, I'm, I, am, I am a force by myself. But this time, you see Peter trying to use people that don't even have names to corroborate that. You know what? We did this. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't any longer about I, I did that. Amen. And I pray that in your journey, you would, you would always have a situation where you say, we did this. You will have a community of people that will stand as this powerful testimony for you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So Peter had grown from a lone ranger to an accountable leader. Peter was accountable. And leaders ought to be accountable. Peter was accountable. Peter gave an account of what he had done using other people to corroborate, I mean, rightfully what he had done. So, and we've been admonished over and over, and over again in this house, in gospel house, that every one of us is a leader. Every one of us is a leader in our own right. So you may be a business owner, you are a leader. You may be an entrepreneur, you are a leader. You may be working as um, uh, in one of the C-suites of a, of a company, maybe chief this or chief that, you are a leader. 
You are a husband, you are a leader. You are a wife, you are a leader. You are even a child, you are a leader. He said, yes, I'm a child. Yes, because you grow to be a leader. Guess what? You are even leading yourself. If you read the book, you know, um, pastor's book, right? You are the general of your life. You are a leader. So you lead yourself, even if you're not leading other people. And as you lead yourself, you must be accountable. So leaders are accountable. One, one more nugget I think we must never forget as leaders is that leadership also equals growth. Leadership also equals growth. When I look at my journey, even God's favorite house, I realize that leadership equals growth. The times when I'm in my best are the times when I'm engaging growth in prayer, when I'm engaging growth in service, when I'm engaging growth in studying. Because think, take for example, picture yourself as a cop, right? And you are at full capacity of that cup. And then you pour out today. You pour out, let's say the cup is um, a 10-ounce cup. You pour out two ounces of the cup. How much is left in the, in the cup? Eight ounces. Tomorrow you come, you pour out another one ounce. How much is left? Seven. Then you have an encounter. <laughs> I won't say deliverance service. Maybe somebody that you cancel. And by the time you, from experience, sometimes when you finish canceling people, you are flat out. The person takes 6.5. What's left? Just 0.5. And then you expect to encounter someone else that requires or a situation that requires you to give about five, you don't have anything to give. What happens is that you are dying because the person begins to suck your essence. So as, as, as a leader, leadership equals to growth. Every leader. So if you say, I'm a child, you know what? I don't even have a wife or I don't have a husband yet. Guess what? You need to keep growing and prepare you for that time when you will be a, a husband or a wife or a leader of a, a Fortune 500 company. Say amen. Amen, right? So when next you think about leadership in any form, think growth. Think growth. You want to lead yourself as an individual effectively, then think growth. So imagine this same Peter, right, that made it clear, and this is another angle that I, I, I saw from this scripture. This Peter that made it clear, if you read, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of us, but if you Fast forward to Acts 15, Peter was corroborating what he said when there was an issue about believers being circumcised or not. He was saying that, you know what, the, the Gentiles don't need to be circumcised to be called children of God. Don't, don't harass them. I'm, this I'm paraphrasing right now. Peter stood up for the uncircumcised Gentiles at that time before uh, James, who obviously was the leader of the body at that time, finally gave, gave the final word. But Peter stood up and, you know, accepted the fact that, in fact, he was referencing what he had done. He said, you know what, remember when I went to Cornelius to be circumcised before they can be all of God, engaged everyone. So why are you trying to tell people to be circumcised before they can be all that they, they need to be um, uh, with God, right? He was saying to them that they didn't need the physical ritual of circumcision to be all that they needed to be. But you find out that when we get to Galatians 2, when Paul was giving an account, and I believe that account was a different um, incident that had happened post this time where Peter was even saying to people, that, you know what, you don't need all that ritual to be, to be aligned with God. You see, Paul was saying here that when he first arrived, he's talking about Peter, he ate with Gentiles. He ate with Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some... Friends of James. Who was James? Remember, James was the leader of the church, right? When some friends of James came 
Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of what? Criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, guess what happened? Other believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So you see the the, the importance, once again, of, of leadership, self-leadership and leadership of other people. This event, like you said, happened post the time when Peter was saying, you know what, I, I stood up for the right thing. So we said leadership equals to growth, right? And if we must keep leading, we must be accustomed to criticism. As a leader, for you to keep leading, then you must get used to criticism. Who doesn't like criticism? Let's be honest. Come on. Come on now. Everybody likes criticism. <laughs> I naturally don't like criticism. But I've, I know that there are certain kinds of criticism. It's what they call the constructive criticism. But there are some people that will criticize you harshly. They will tell you the things that are true in a way that you can't think your life. <laughs> I don't like that kind of criticism. Oh, we like that kind of criticism. The one that makes you go and think. Nobody really likes that. But guess what? Even that kind of criticism, you should be comfortable with it. People will criticize you. I think I heard pastors say once that a tree that does not have fruit, nobody throws stone at it, right? It's only the tree that has fruit. And <laughs> we go have a tree, they'll be plucking your guava with different stones, right? May they pluck your guava in Jesus' name. Say amen. That's when they throw stones at you because that means that you are growing. There's something about you that causes people to, to want to um, take a go at you. So a, a leader, a leader is, who is focused on making people comfortable with them. A leader who is focused on only hearing the good things, receiving good feedbacks, you know, all the time lacks the character that is required for that kind of leadership. So Peter was more focused at this point of his life on the acceptance of James' friends who were, I mean, without a doubt, you could say they were influential. He was more focused. This is the same Peter that had grown to the place, you know, remember we showed his CV prior to his growth? He had grown to that place where you could say Peter was an, you know, an alpha leader, an A leader. This is the same Peter that we see struggling here because of influence of certain people that he wanted to be in their good books. And he did that at the expense of the beliefs of other people. You know, a, a, a while ago, I used to struggle with this issue, right? I, 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 have, I mean, I, have, I still have friends that are, are not yet saved. So I would go hang out with my, my old buddies. And in, in those conversations, I, I realized that I, I would concede to their slaw. You know, people that are not saved have their own way of talking, right? They, they will be all kinds of, uh, not, not cursing me, but they will be curse words. They'll talk about all kinds of things. Sometimes they will make even lewd jokes. And you just find yourself saying, <laughs> you know? And that, that, is, that, is in, that is consent. And I, I will leave those meetings. I will struggle. I'll say, I'll say to myself that this is not who I am. I should be able to stand, you know, stand for the right thing. So I'll tell myself that I will the next time. I'll go back to those same uh, hangouts and I realize that they, they are literally dominating um, the, the conversation. And, and it began to trouble me, right? And I, I, I began to pray about it actively. So I'm going to meet my friends and I will not say, because I still like them and I want them to be saved, I'll be praying, Holy Spirit, help me guide this conversation. Let me be in the control. Let me be in control of this conversation. And guess what? The Holy Spirit helps me. So for example, I have a sibling that I love very much. 
when I hang out with him, he, he, I mean, he, he, he would say, if he uses a curse word, he would say, <laughs> forgive my French or something. That means he's coming to terms with the fact that this person stands for something. It's, this person stands for something. I'm standing my ground. When I go to hang out with my bodies, right, I, I deliberately try to control the topic. If you leave them, they will control the topic to what it is they want you guys to talk about. But I deliberately try to make sure that, this, uh, this, uh, uh, the, the, the topics are, are things that, I mean, they're good topics. Every believers or non-believers can have those topics, but it will not give them an opportunity to begin to tell you about reminiscing about some girl used to hang out with <laughs> 20 years ago <laughs> and stuff like that, which was what was going on at the time. So what, are, what am I trying to say? If you are not growing, right, if you are not standing your ground in growth, you have stopped leading. So in that case, if I wasn't growing, if I wasn't deliberately thinking, praying, actively praying and researching ways that I could um, control the conversations, control is a harsh word really, direct, guide the conversations with my unsaved friends, they will be leading me. And if I'm, not lead, if I'm not leading them in that situation, that means they are leading me the other way. May your friends that are still away not lead you the other way in Jesus' name. And this, of course, applies to uh, uh, everything in our life. So the second major thing I, I like us to look at um, this evening, right, is um, from, from verse 12 of, that, of this passage. If Samuel could please, please put up verse 12 of, of the scripture. Verse 12, and he says that the Holy Spirit told me to go. This is Peter. When Peter was giving an account, when he was being accountable to um, the believers, he said the Holy Spirit told him to go. You know, Peter could have seen that vision that he saw, right? And begun a fasting and prayer session. Peter could have seen that vision come out from that vision, right, that's telling him to eat unclean meat, you know, and begin to cast and bind. I love what the conversation pastor had with um, Pastor Joyce on, uh, two weeks ago, you know, about eating in a dream, right? So I won't go into that. But he could have come out and begin to cast and bind the, the, the spirit behind <laughs> eating in the dream, so to speak. He could have mistaken that vision, given a different interpretation from that vision. But you, you, you can see that Peter... He, he, he had clarity from the Holy Spirit. Yes, he, he saw a vision. The vision was telling him different from something different from the norms, from the custom that he was used to as a Jew. But he didn't stop there. The Holy Spirit gave him clarity. Even after he said to God that, you know, I don't, I don't, hang, I don't do like this. God said, don't, don't, don't say that. I've, I've declared this thing clean. It ended there. Then all of a sudden, people show up. Peter could have still been saying, you know, should, should, I, should I go and meet these people? What if these guys are just, you know, remember Peter was told that you will be led. Jesus told him, when you are old, you, you'll be led where you, you can't even lead yourself. Maybe this is the time has come for them to go and even kill me, you know. But Peter, the Holy Spirit said to Peter, go. The Holy Spirit said to Peter, go. And it reminds me of a scripture that I, I really love and I try to meditate on a lot. And it's on Psalm 32, verse Verse 8, it says that the Lord will teach you. The Lord will instruct you. The Lord will guide you and he will cancel you with his good eyes. That's the Holy Spirit's function in your life, to teach you. It says not only will I, sorry, to instruct you first. Not only will I instruct you, he has given you an instruction. He will teach you how to go about that instruction. 
We need to stop seeing God as, a, as an angry God that's just waiting for us to make a mistake. Just say, you know what, Richard, go, tum, 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 don't worry. In the, in the Gabriel, hold the cutlass. As soon as he just cut, he said, no, that's not God. God wants to instruct you. He doesn't want to stop with instruction. He wants to teach you how to go about that instruction. He wants to cancel you in case you're even going about instruction in a way that doesn't even align. That's the God that you serve. I thought you would give God a big hand. A God that will not leave you. That would instruct you. Say, the Lord will instruct me. The Lord will teach me. The Lord will cancel me. And so shall it be in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So, if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us, if the Holy Spirit doesn't teach us, if he doesn't instruct and cancel us, we may be on the right side by our own estimation, but we'll still be in error. As a believer, you can be on, you can, by your estimation, you'll be the, on the right side. Without the Holy Spirit's leading, regardless of how knowledgeable, regardless of our experience, regardless of how wise that we may be, we still stand the risk of error. So as a believer, taking a position without the Holy Spirit equals to what? Error. May you not be in error in the mighty name of Jesus. A, a good example that comes to my mind is the case of Joseph and Mary. If you read Deuteronomy 22, verse 22, it says that if a man and a woman has uh, extramarital affairs, they should be stoned to death. So in this case, Mary is going to say to Joseph, I've carried belly. Joseph will be thinking, who pregnant this girl? I need to engage the leaders for them to stone this girl. Right? That would be the natural thing. And Joseph will be on his right because Joseph doesn't know anything about immaculate conception. If Mary says, I'm pregnant, the first thing that comes to Joseph's mind is that, who have, you, who have you been messing around with, right? But Joseph had the Holy Spirit, had God to tell him, to give him an instruction. And Joseph did the right thing by God. But by laws, what happened? Joseph was doing something that was contrary to their Jewish customs. He should have taken her to the leading priests and they would stone her to death. So this is why as a believer, put up that, that slide again, please. Taking a position without the Holy Spirit is error. What position are you taking? It might be something that you're already used to, that you think, okay, these are the customs. Without the Holy Spirit, you are in error. So what I'll say is that don't be too quick to jump into conclusions. Don't be too quick to judge things by the sight of your eyes or by what you already know. The Holy Spirit is to give us clarity. In fact, when we stay connected with him, you, you don't even need to ask him before he begins to give you clarity because you are in sync with him. And that brings us to our last point. Uh, I'm going to go through it real quickly because we have barely three minutes, right? So, what kind of Christian am I? What kind of Believer are you? So ask yourself, what kind of Christian, what kind of believer am I? Verse 1, verse 2, and verse 18 of that scripture, right? It says, soon the news reached who? Who's there? Who did it reach? The apostles. Come on, who did it reach? Other believers, right? Who were in Judea, right? That the Gentiles had received the word of God. And when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, who? These Jewish what? Believers. What they do to him? They criticized him. Now go to verse 18. These same people, when they heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. So, who, who did the news go to? Believers, right? Even the apostles as well. Who criticized Peter? The believers. Even though he did not mention the apostles, 
But I want to say by inference, maybe the apostles otherwise, maybe the scripture would have said, you know what, hey guys, shut up, leave Peter. Peter, no, but there was no, there was no talk about that. So possibly the apostles were still saying, maybe, maybe his guys, maybe Thomas was saying Peter. Now, wow, Peter, <laughs> Peter, now, wow, you know, <laughs> maybe I don't know. This Peter self own too much, you know. I don't know what happened right there. But they, they, they criticized him. Some of them were bold. They were boisterous about it, about what he, he did. And that speaks to a cynical believer. Pastor Joyce uh, talked about um, a prejudiced believer. The prejudiced believer is the one, or the prejudiced person is the one that they will, they will criticize you because they are ignorant. The, the cynical one is the one that is very distrusting. They, 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 they feel like anything you do there's a selfish motive behind it. Eh, okay. The GOW, governors of wealth, mm, they want our money. You see people mislead believers to even mislead other believers. So believers start misleading. Why do they start questioning tight? You start to suspect God, don't you, men, now that. Why are these guys asking for my money? Okay? So, when I say cynical and believer, when I said it to myself, it seemed like, how can these two things be in the same sentence? A believer and cynicism. But that's just the way it is because there are people that are regular in church. They may even be seven in church. They may be workers in church. But they stand the risk of growing cynical. And if you don't immerse yourself in the love of God, if you don't immerse yourself in the love of God, God's people, if you don't immerse yourself in the love of the things of God, chances are you can become cynical. A cynical believer grows out of sync. Why do they grow out of sync? Because they stick to their guns. They stick to the old things. Like those guys in that scripture. If you put up the scripture for us, um, Simon, please. They, 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 what they knew is that, you know what? Gentiles, you don't eat in the houses of Gentiles. You don't eat in the homes of Gentiles. Peter, what were you doing there? They, 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 they didn't trust his motives. Why, why are you there? They, they hold on to the way of doing things. In fact, these are people that will say, God said, forgetting that God is saying. Yes, God said, but what is God saying? God has said, but what is God saying? God said is in the past. God can change his mind. The same God that tells you go can tell you wait, isn't it? That's the, that's the power of dwelling and having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. God said, Moses gave them laws. They lived with those laws. But those laws, has, God has moved from that place. But they were still there. They relied mostly on God's, God said. Someone can, I mean, take for example, again, the God who did it again service. That just, I mean, we're still in the, in the, in the overflow. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm excited because we are looting. Eku lutino. Eku lutino. Awani. I'm still on my Yoruba journey. Amen. So, People can come to the God who do it against service, right? And a lot is happening. But the person's focus is, which one be that smoke when they bring come up for inside the altar? See the way this one is dressed. See the way that, in fact, they're dancing better in church. Worldly people. Meanwhile, God is moving. God is moving. They say people are looting. Their quaver is being filled. Their vats are being filled. But your focus is on the, on the, on the things that God forbids. Ah, women in this church, they don't tie their hair. <laughs> but they are anointed. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Right? So, they are all consuming focus. The cynical believer is the forbidden at the expense of what God is doing. Before the person knows this, they missed out completely on the move of God. You will not miss out on the move of God in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, on your own, I want you to read Philippians because we don't have time. We're out of time. Philippians 1, 9 and 10. In the Passion Translation, especially the footnote, drop the footnote and see what Philippians 1, 9 and 10 tells you. I mean, it blew me, it blew my mind. Don't be cynical. Yes, there are things that are forbidden, but what does focus more on the things that God has allowed, the things that makes his heart joyful. And again, in, in 2 Chronicles 20, that's our anchor scripture for this season, verse 20, the scripture was saying, Joshua was saying that believe, 2 Chronicles 20, I think we have it there, believe, 20 verse 20, believe in, in God, believe in his prophets. Joshua probably knew that there were some people there that would be cynical or even, uh, like what we said, uh, prejudiced. He said, believe in what is going on right now. Believe. Believe. And 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, don't stifle the spirit. Yes, but test all things. Test all things. But believe. Believe. Everybody say believe. Believe in the Lord and you'll be able to stand for him and, of course, reap everything that you have gotten. So as we close tonight, verse 13 tells us that, you know, if you can put up verse 13, CMM, verse 13 tells us that Cornelius had an angel appear to him. Cornelius wasn't a believer at the time. Cornelius, the Bible says, was a devout man. He was a good guy. He had some good things going on for him, but he was not a believer. He was religious, maybe, honest, but he was not saved he was not saved. He wasn't washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And to be saved is to receive Jesus as your Lord and your master. So can we please bow our heads? And if you are online as well, I want you to bow your head and just think about these few things. I probably have not told you anything that is new to you tonight, but the Holy Spirit speaks in amazing ways. You know it, that even though you can call yourself a good guy, a good girl, Jesus is not the Lord and master of your life. If Cornelius did not obey and send for Peter to receive and to have an impact with Jesus, Cornelius would have missed it. So this is an opportunity for you tonight. If you are saying, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Master. I'm a good guy, but I want Jesus. Will you just kindly put up your hand? Raise up your hand. Raise up your hand to heaven. I want Jesus. And if you are online as well, the instructions should begin to scroll right now. You can send a message to our pastor. And of course, just put up your hand by faith even if you are online as well. And say to the Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Master. I want you to come now and transform my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, our Lord and our God, for everyone that is committing their lives to you tonight. We ask that indeed that you step into their situation. Transform their lives. Fill them with your spirit. And let your name and your name alone be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you, mighty Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And that ends my story for us tonight. Amen. Amen. Come on, give a clap of rain as Papi comes. So yes, if you have a question, if you have questions, kindly. Good evening, Papi. So, kindly send your questions. As you see, I am fully backed up. Everybody is fully backed up. 
No fear, no fear. Papi, papi, say fully back up. <laughs> no fear, no fear. Okay, if you have questions, kindly um, send them in. Even if it's a question that is outside of the teaching. Because sometimes I've realized that from, um, from my experiences that some questions go outside of the teaching. But I, I'll start with my own questions, right? And my, my first question I'm going to ask the pastor tonight is that, as a believer, how can I guard against this, well, I call it a disease of cynicism, a believer that started out well, or even maybe didn't start out that way, or started out as a cynical person, and you thought you had overcome it. How, how, can, I, how can I become someone that is not cynical? like saying how can I not be carnal mm. you know um, so cynicism is, is a, the form of carnality you're not reasoning with God you are reasoning in the flesh so um, Galatians I think 5 that says if you walk in the spirit you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh so, so it's like walking in the flesh is one way, walking in the spirit is one way. So, walking in the spirit. So, the question is, instead of being cynical or reaching a, jumping into a conclusion or, or ask, what's God's mind on the matter? What's, what's God saying, you know? And that will really help because God, yeah, thank you. teach us, you know, and that will help us from being cynical, yeah. I mean, as you're speaking, I just remembered. Remember when we started the governors of wealth, right? right. I, I don't know if I sh I've shared this story with you before. For the first, let me say, I can't remember, and I don't want to, of course, I can't lie. Maybe three months down the line, I had not joined governors of wealth, and I was cynical. Not prejudiced. <laughs> the cynicism was, ah, I'm already giving 10%. Which one is an uh, extra percentage on it? And they have come. <laughs> They have come, you know? And uh, so, the, the, I, I, in retrospect, not like I, I, I distrust Papi. I wasn't distrusting, but I just felt like this extra push, do we really need this uh, push right now? I have bills to pay. So I came up with all justifications for it, right? And I remember then Papi called for a meeting of blessing of governors of wealth participants. And, I, you know, Extra cynicism, eh, they're blessing only the people that are giving up. <laughs> they're, not bless, they're not blessing us. So in that grumbling, I, I, don't you just love the Holy Spirit? I just feel God saying to me, now, oh boy, come here, come, come, before you go and kill yourself. What's the, what's the issue? And I began to say, ah, this 10%, 10%. You know the question God asked me? Did you ask me? I said, no, because I, I can actually give 15%. The question was, did you ask me? I said, no. I said, but I'm hoping that I give 15%. The question again came to me, did you ask me? So I realized it wasn't 15%. 20%, did you ask me? It wasn't 20%. I won't tell you what I give, bro. But I realized God wanted me to give a particular percentage. And I've been giving that percentage. I'm not late on my bills. Glory to God. Hallelujah. School fees are still being paid. Glory to God. And those were the things I was justifying, you know? <laughs> things are still going on. Glory to God. Business is going on. Glory to God. Doors are opening, right? So... This is for someone. 
what is that thing that you look at in church and they are distrust because that cynicism yeah, you, you just don't trust the heart of the man or God or trust that God you're looking at God with a suspicious eye lay down and let God begin to bless you in amazing ways in Jesus name thank you thank you for sharing that. amen yeah okay so the question thank you that question is for pastor right say hello pastor what gets you discouraged what are you saying Papi? okay so um you know, um, like every human being, there are things that can get you discouraged, you know, but I, I suspect the person is asking as regards being a pastor, right? So, um, before now, every Monday morning, I always wanted to resign from being a pastor. <laughs> every Monday morning, you know, so when I wake up in the morning or morning, I'm, that I'm like, what am I doing? I mean, these people, they don't even... They're not listening to anything you're saying. Who cares about what you're saying? You know, so it's like I, I, I have this, I used to have this deep, you know, after this Sunday high, you know, I, I used to have that, that, that deep. So, you know, and I learned how to um, manage it and, 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 and overcome it, you know. Then um, imagine... Back in the day, a God would do it again service on a Sunday. The Monday of the God would do it service, I want to run out. <laughs> I want to run away. <laughs> because I feel so... So that's why it's... I mean, you, you can relate with, like, Elijah, you know? He called down fire from Mount Carmel, and he was running the, fo the following day, questioning God, you've abandoned me, you know? I'm the only one, you know? So those were... Um, um, challenging times. How do I overcome them? I, I listened or I learned from people that have gone ahead of me. So I, I, I listened to people that, you know, so I found out, I discovered that I wasn't the only one. People have, people have felt this way. How did they overcome it? And I learned it. And it's not like that anymore by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Pa, can I add a question to that? Because I, I still struggle with that. Um, as um, as someone that leads youth, when you give everything, you know, and sometimes it just seems like they don't even care what they're doing. <laughs> you post scriptures, nobody even says amen. <laughs> you pray for you. <laughs> but of course, we, we get testimonies every now and then, glory to God, right? Hallelujah. But, but those times when you don't, it just seems like you're not, nothing is moving, right? What will you say to a boy like me? Yes, we, we need to realize that our work is supernatural. So the work we are doing is supernatural. So, and because it's supernatural, we cannot depend on what we see. If we go, yeah, you can clap, one clap. If we go by what we see, we'll be misled and discouraged. You know, we, we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, I've, I've given um, this example of years ago, you know, you know, when I used to, um, you know, I was a pastor, you know, and, and I would conclude that a particular man uh, doesn't like me. <laughs> this man doesn't like me. This man is not coming to church tomorrow, next week, you know. So, and the following week, I will see the guy in church. His posture, his countenance, it's as if it wants me to get down, it was going to punch my face, you know. 
so one day, I was in my office, and I was told that this guy wanted to see me. I sat up. <laughs> What's going on? You know? And he started to follow me and said, oh, pastor, I cannot even imagine how his life has changed, how the things I say, you know? Uh, and I was shocked, you know, has changed his life, and it was time for him to go, and he, he gave me a key of a brand new car, of a new car, yeah. I mean, and it was not a cheap car. Hallelujah. You know? So I began to reevaluate. All these people have been laughing when I'm preaching. They didn't give me any car. <laughs> so let everybody be frowning now. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's just a joke. That's a joke. So I'm not saying don't frown. You know, I'm just saying that we can't benchmark. Paul plants, Apollo waters, God gives the Hallelujah. increase. You know? Amen. Thank you for that, Pa. So if you're a youth, young adult in God's house and you have not been responding to me, don't worry, just bring the car. All this fucking thing. Thank you so much, sir. That's very helpful. Okay. Debbie, you have one. Can I take mine before we go? Or is it a follow-up to that one? Four more. Oh, wow. Okay, let him, let's go. Question number two. Take three minutes at least. When you started as a pastor, how did you manage criticism? What's the worst criticism you have ever gotten? And how did you handle it? Well, I don't know if... I can say worst, each is bad, and it's like, it's a dagger. So it's like, you get a cut, then you get another cut, they say, which cut is, it's a cut, you know? Um, but, I mean, the one that uh, was really challenging for me, you know, and it actually has helped me, you know, deal with, other criticisms that have come that are big, but they fall off my skin, you know? So, but, but that particular one, there was someone that, he, he didn't get saved um, in my house, but he got baptized in the Holy Spirit in my living room. He, he was diagnosed with the disease, same disease that killed the ex-president, Yaradoa. You know, he went to the UK, they confirmed it. He went to Dubai, they confirmed it. He came to my office. You know, I actually think that there's nothing God cannot do. And I held his hands and we prayed. And God healed him. Hallelujah. You know? And all that. So, then I had a challenge in my life. Oh, well, <laughs> I had a challenge. And the guy was spreading on social media that I use, I use um, occultic powers. The same person. No, no, that one hit me, you know, <laughs> back then. You know, but before I saw the mail, it was a mail, it was a mail chain. Um, before I saw the mail, the night before I was praying, and, and the Holy Spirit said to me, it's going to get hotter. You know, and I'm like, can you even get other than this? You know, so when that came, you know, you know, I was I almost gave up on humanity. Wow. 
you know, that people are just very useless. There's nothing you can do for them, you know. <laughs> so I almost, I almost ended up with that conclusion, you know. So, but hey, God helped me. Hallelujah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Next question, Dev. Okay, question three says, Pastor Richard, ah. how do you measure your spiritual ah. and mental growth ah. annually? Okay, how do I measure my spiritual and annual growth? In the, and okay, mental growth. And mental growth annually. Okay, so um, back in the days, um, I used to tell myself the, um, for mental, the amount of um, books I read, because when you read, you like Pastor says, you catch the spirit um, of the, the author that of the book you read. But I, I done something different. It's not just necessarily the book, because you could read a book and not apply right and then of course that's not growing you're just constipated like people will say so what i do is i ask myself i compare situations i journal so when i get to review my journal i compare situations so for example if debbie you know said see your head and <laughs> it got to me before <laughs> no see, actually it looks like coconut though right don't worry, don't worry. I know it looks like coconut. <laughs> okay. Uh, someone says, see your head. And it used to get to me, right? And if you say, see your head, that like coconut head, now you even finish the statement and it doesn't get to me anymore. I know that I've grown past that thing, right? Then for, for spiritually, right? I, that, that is just where the Holy Spirit comes in. I, I ask myself, how obedient have I been to the last instruction? Like we've learned you're as obedient as the last instructions. And if you really ask those questions, you'd be amazed at many things you do not obey. If you ask those questions. For me, when I do ask the questions, sometimes it's even as easy as, did you call? You know, there are people that you are supposed to call. Okay, let me be vulnerable. There are people that when I call, by the time I'm finished with the conversation, you have gone from 100 to zero. They've sucked everything. Not in cancel. Because their views are negative, they're fearful, they just, they just punch holes in all your pump, you know? I run from those calls. But I have those people in my life. So, sometimes I avoid, I tell, perform busy, and I get a view. In fact, I got it again this morning. <laughs> I was saying to my wife, I have not. But by God's grace, we do call. Amen. 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 And I just want to say, Papi will add to that. I also think it's different for other people. But the bottom line is, what are you obeying? For you, it might be something else God has told you to do. Obedience is a very good measurement of your faithfulness and your growth in God. It might be your, something else is telling you to do. How effective or how responsive are you to that, um, that instruction? You can use that for your measurement, Papi. Yes, so obedience is a big measurement and it affects every other thing like your commitment to God, to the things of God, um, your fruitfulness, you know, you know, in the things of God, yeah. Thank you, sir. Right. Question four. Okay. Happy, if funds were not an issue, what will be your top three best kingdom investments? Is it building of churches or organizing crusades? Well, I think that's pretty apparent, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, yeah, because 
I mean, we could have started building fund, you know, <laughs> years ago. But I, I, I think that um, I was going to say that if funds were not an issue, what would be the first thing I mean I need to do right now, get right now? I would say a private jet. <laughs> Amen. And the people of the Lord say, Amen. Yeah, I saw people be criticized that. <laughs> cynicism, cynicism. <laughs> he wants to be Bugai in his private jet. <laughs> no, I mean, because of just the, the reality of, of, of my current dispensation, you know, as by God's grace and apostle. So, um, the, the, the travel is, is, some, is something, you know. Um, so if I have this, I would say that God didn't say we should choose one, you know. God did not. God not say we should choose one, but we. The priority for us is is building people. So it's and reaching people. That's our priority, reaching and building people. If we need a space to do that, then we get the space. If we can. If this space is fine and it's, it's, it's nice, it's, it's cool, I mean, the building is standing, you know, why spend $200 million or $200 million, you know, you know building? I'd rather spend that starting more churches. Amen. You know? So... You know, I know that there's a lot of alter ego and all that, you know, oh, you know, build our building, you know. <laughs> you know? But again, it is the, it's the people, if we need to, for, for instance, right now we are really concerned of building a children's church, you know, you know. So, and we, we, are, we are prayerfully considering that because... When we are having that single service, going to the service, we have to go and, you know, the school has been amazing, giving us the school to use, you know. You know, so we need a facility, you know. You know, we need to really consider that. So, but, hey, it's usually, it's not either or, I don't think. Yeah. I hope that answered the question, if you are online. There will be next question, please. We have one. Um, so there were five, but now there are six questions. So um, question five, is there good criticism? If yes, how do you position yourself to receive or listen without getting upset from the feedback you are getting? Okay. So because he didn't address it to pastor, I will take a stab and, of course, pass the baton <laughs> or hand over the baton to who he belongs. Anyway, um, remember when we were talking, when we were teaching, we talked about constructive criticism. So maybe that's what the person wants to call good criticism. There's a way someone can give you. So I have grown to take criticism as feedback, even in its roughest of forms, right? Marriage will teach you <laughs> to take criticism as feedback. Otherwise, you will fight all the time. And honestly, I mean, being vulnerable, we, we did fight most of the time because Criticism, the way it was said, the, you begin to question the motive, right? So I, I just tell myself that it's a feedback. So when, again, when the person gives you that feedback, 
don't just take it for the, I mean, take it uh, hook, line, and sinker, and also don't take it with a pinch of salt. What you want to do is to go back and ask. I do go back and ask. And guess what? The times, there are times I've been criticized with conviction. You know, when someone criticizes you with conviction, it will be as if that is your name, right? But I go back and ask, and they say, that is not your name. So that gives you um, an elevation. I think Pastor Morake can, can relate. Because she's, she's nodding her head. But guess what? There are times the person has also given you harsh criticism, what you call bad criticism. But it's the truth. So what irked you wasn't the fact that you had been told the truth. It was because of how the truth came to you <laughs> as a dagger to your heart. For example, see your head like coconut head. You really have coconut head. But <laughs> they said it. Yeah, so... How do I um, engage that? I take it back, you know. A pastor will say, take the flesh, spit out the bones, and you'll be okay. Yes, there are different kinds of criticism. There is um, construct, constructive criticism, and there's very harsh criticism. Where you see people um, deliver um, criticism without any kind of wisdom. Even the Bible says we should uh, be wise in addressing people, right? Yeah, so, thank you. Papi? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's big because... Um, you, you know, it, it now opens up a whole spectrum of who are you criticizing? You know, do you do you really have um, a moral authority to criticize the person? You know, I don't give advice to people because I, I I've seen something you can do better. Who am I to tell you what to do? You know, but if I have a really, I'm talking about, you know, I can't because I'm your pastor, right? But I'm talking about relationally, right? You know, um, so some people feel that it is, they are the um, gatekeepers of the world, you know? You, you see it's someone in church because the person has been greeting you and, you know, and the person has been nice to you. You take it upon yourself just to, to correct them. And say, that's wrong. You know? Say, hey, you should accept criticism. How is it your call? It's not your call. So, we, we need to, and, you know, the fact that something is true does not mean it should be said from your mouth. Since we are talking about coconut head, <laughs> remember the story of Elisha. The children came out and said, Oga, coconut head. Did Elisha, was he really bowed? Of course. Was they, were they saying the truth? Yes. He says, okay, if I, you say, you say man of God, if I be a man of God, let bear come out and consume these children. And the bear came out and consumed the children. So the question is, some people are struggling with that. I say, oh, is that right? That's not. It's better. I, I don't want to know whether it's right or not. My own children will not be a part of Amen. those children, Amen. <laughs> you know? and I will not be there. Amen. You know, that's not the issue. You know, oh, I will speak the truth. Just shut up. Um, Nathan and David. David took Bathsheba, right? Nathan had a word from God. 
Later I said, ah, how do I deliver this word? I'm giving me a parable. There's someone in your kingdom. You guys know that story, right? That, you know, David said, in my kingdom, who is the man? Later I said, <laughs> That's how the Bible put it. You are the man. You see, at that point, David could receive the word. Did you know that if Nathan, even though he had the word from God, had come to David in the mode David was in, Nathan would have lost his head. God would still have forgiven David. Remember the prophet that was eating the bread of affliction? And the water of affliction. Did he have to eat bread of affliction and water of affliction? Did he have to? So, the fact that your teacher or your husband or your, sometimes even your wife, you know, is, does not mean that you must, you have to, you have to learn tact. You have to learn, what's the objective? Is the objective for me to sound superior to this person? Or is the objective for me to actually help this person? Is, is the objective for the person to actually change or get the message and be a better person? Or the objective for me to rub their noses on the, in the mud? If the objective is for you, you to shine, yeah, then you can say it anyhow you want to say. That's why they, they don't, they're not listening to a lot of people. <laughs> you know? But if the objective is to really help the person, then tact must be used, wisdom must be engaged, the Holy Spirit must be consulted, you know. Hallelujah. Amen. You know. And it also, it's also, it also exposes your heart, you know. It exposes your heart, you know. It's not you, are, Jesus says that you are, you are looking at the, at the speck in your brother's eye, but the log in your own eyes. You have no room. Say, no, 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 Lord Jesus, the log is in the eye. The speck is in my eye. The reason you think so is because it's this log you are seeing. <laughs> it's closer to you. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, that's, that's what I would say. Amazing. Amazing. I, I remember when you first shared this um, illustration of um, David and just a few days ago. Um, I went back. So, it didn't hit me now. So, I just want to say that in case someone might have glossed over it. Just go back and think about that. David could really have killed Nathan in an instant because of Nathan's delivery. So that helps you with how you deliver the message. In fact, when Pastor was telling me it was the message, not even the criticism, you might have a sound message. Thus says the Lord. How do you deliver your thus says the Lord to authority? It can close the door for you. No more contracts. It can close it. Yes, really. I mean, that's how I went back to process it. It can ostracize you from relationships that are destiny helping relationships so why you are not supposed to be political but just trust god for wisdom or to be able to um address um, a king and pastor actually called it palace protocols palace amen. protocols god will help you as he's helping us in jesus name amen, amen. so two more questions are ah, i didn't multiply <laughs> go ahead go ahead okay. question six okay when is the right time to confront someone who has made it their job to always criticize without a good point of view? And where do you draw the line between criticism and stupidity? Mm. 
That's two questions. When is the right time to confront the person that's always criticizing you? Just shut up. <laughs> no, don't do that. You know, um, I think one major thing we've said tonight is the Holy Spirit helping you because is there a right time? You might even think is right. Okay, I'll give you an example too. I'll use experiences. So there are times when I've had disagreements, you know, as a husband. I'll use that as the best place I can, you know, because there's no relationship as intimate as that in my life where we've had, dis had disagreements with my significant other and I believe that I am right. Right? And there will be no disagreement. <laughs> if you don't, you don't believe, believe that you're right. <laughs> I believe that, you know, this person, I mean, my wife, she didn't see it this way. She, she needs to see that this is nine. She's saying, you see that it is six. I'm saying, see that it is nine. She says, see that it is six. So, that I, I will now withdraw. I'll go and pray. And so I'm praying, reporting the case to God. I've, I know God is saying to me, that just shut up. Don't say anything about it. But I will now begin to come up with a structure on how to coin the response in his wisest of ways. So that she needs to just understand it. Guess what? As soon as I come out and I open my mouth, we went from where we were before to worse than where we were because I disobeyed the simple instruction of just shutting up. Because there are times God will say, keep quiet. The other times he'll tell you it's time to speak. Also, there are times I've had situations where I believe she too has been praying about something and she comes to me. Naturally, I know that I will blow a lead or blow a fuse for that thing she's saying. But she says it and it just comes to me as cold water on, you know, on a hot summer day. So I, I think when it comes to that issue of when is the best time, you want to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit. That is if you're a believer and you're someone that has a relationship with the Holy Spirit, that's that you need to be able to listen and know the, the right time. In some, the, the world calls it emotional intelligence, right? But I would say, uh, because we are, we are believers, it is more of spiritual intelligence. And God will help you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think the B part was, can, can you remember the B part? Where do you draw the line between criticism and stupidity? Hmm. <laughs> Let me leave that to Papi. It's A-level. No, I mean... Sometimes it's pretty clear that some people open their mouth and they're just pewing out crap and they think they're they are talking. Just ignore it. Just listen and ignore it, you know, and, and move on. It's, you are the one that will determine which one is criticism, which one is stupidity. But like what Pastor Richard said on spiritual intelligence, you know, is so important because... You know, in the book of Proverbs, you will see it says, don't answer a fool, you know, otherwise you'll be on the same level. If you read on, it says, answer a fool, so that he doesn't think he's wise. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> which one do you hold at what time? It's, it's spiritual intelligence, yeah. God will help us with that spiritual intelligence in Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. But you know, there are times that, I mean, you've also, let me use one time, that I, I felt something. I don't want to say what it is. I felt it was time for something. And I, I, I met you in the office and I was saying, and you had already gone ahead to do the thing. And I was saying, I actually felt like this thing should have been done. In fact, I actually felt like I was going to tell you this thing would be done. And you know what you said to me? That it was a good thing you didn't come and tell me this thing should be done because in that case it was not in my place to actually be saying 
that that thing should be done because you already knew. You know, sometimes I, what am I trying to say? Sometimes it's just we wanting to shine. That's what makes us go and want to go and tell someone, thus says the Lord, or criticize the person. Because in some, some cases, the person might already know. Right? So in that case, I mean, this is someone authority in my life. I, I, I got it. So, you know, when you want to feel, I, that's not how I was feeling actually, but it's just a pleasure to know that God is confirming, you know, something, God is telling you something. And, I, and he has a God that, he said to me that it's a good thing that <laughs> you did not come to me with it. And I said, I learned something there. Amen. Okay. Amen. Amen. Question seven. Papi, how can we eradicate poverty from the body of Christ? By focusing on the right side of the equation. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the problem is <clears throat> we, uh, this person was the person that the God will regain service on Sunday. We are focusing on the wrong side because we, 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 we think poverty is a problem, it's a complex problem to be solved. But poverty is not a complex problem to be solved. Poverty is the result. It's, 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 it's the outcome of an equation, an expression. So, yes, if you get, if you adjust the expression, I know there are certain things that are um, environmental, environment dependent, like you know, the fiscal policies, the inflation, the cost of goods, you know, um, in the market, you know, those things are real, you know. Purchasing power, you know, those things are real. However, everybody else is in that same economy. Everybody else is in that same economy. And some people are looking good. So, we need to stop blaming the economy. And say, this thing, God will show me the way. Amen. You know? 15 minus 4 minus 11 will give us zero. So we need to find a way of adjusting that equation on the personal level. Poverty, and I say this carefully, cannot be solved on a community scale. Poverty cannot be solved on a national scale. Poverty can only be solved on a personal level. What can happen on a community scale is to enable, to, to, to create an enabling environment and enable people to thrive. However, the poor you will still have with you because of certain people's decisions. People will still. So, so God didn't actually say we should eradicate it. God just said we should take care of, take care of the poor. Just take care of the poor. 
I don't know if that helps. Hopefully. Okay, if you're online, that, that, if that was your question, I hope that helps you. So focus on the right side of the equation, you personally, and God will help us all as we focus in Jesus' name. Amen. A final question from online. Speaking from today's scripture, Paul had to stand up to Peter while criticizing him. Was it necessary to criticize him openly? If yes, how do we, re how do we relate with other Christians without damaging relationships and reputations? I, I think I'm going to leave Papi to answer that question. I'll say why, because um, it almost relates to the, the question that I had. So we'll just, I'll just kind of pack the two together. So we see Peter, like we said, had grown from who he, he was, right? He was now, let's say, a, a better leader. But that same Peter was the same person Paul was criticizing in Galatians 2. The same Peter that was in Acts 15, still saying, you know what, it's the right thing for people not to focus on, on rituals. So, so my question, I didn't add to that, I, I don't know which you will answer first, is how, how can someone be consistent? You, you, you've, you've reached, a, it seems like Peter had reached a high, and then all of a sudden, Peter is being spoken about like that's, former Peter, you know, that was insecure, that would dodge, would not stand his ground, you know, so how, how, how do we, how do we stay consistent in that place of, um, of doing the right thing that, I mean, of course, if someone is now giving you criticism in that stage, it is more of a constructive criticism, not because of something of your failing, because in that case, Peter actually um, had failed woefully. Yes, so, I mean, if, if, you, if you read the, um, the text of the revelation, Peter actually never ate those animals in the dream. So he never transitioned. So he, he, him going to the Cornelius house was uh, like a door opening, but he couldn't walk into the door. So God had to raise Paul that had no biases to walk into that door. It was actually Peter that opened the door to the Gentiles, but it was Paul that walked through it and maximized it and all, and all that. So God said to, to Peter in the dream, kill, eat. He did not. The dream ended. I mean, you should ask God, let's bring them again. Let me eat. <laughs> let me eat. <laughs> I forgot. I didn't eat in the dream. So, so, um, but he, he took it as instruction. It was too precise. Cornelius sent for him. You know, he did. He went, but his heart was not really. It, the only reason he went was what he told them. This is what happened. I mean, God told me, I, and I went. You know, but it doesn't mean that he has accepted that change in his heart. The change was never happened in his heart. Yeah. So it wasn't that he was actually. In, in a high place, then it came down. I, I didn't think about that. So ne Peter should have killed and eaten in a dream. That was the instruction. instruction. Wow. Okay, so the second part. Yes, the second question on Paul um, confronting Peter um, publicly was, was, I mean, <laughs> those are temperaments at play, you know. Remember, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas had 
those issues. And at the end, Paul had matured and, you know, he has changed. He had also chilled, you know. What Paul couldn't stomach really is hypocrisy. And if you check, John the Baptist, he couldn't stomach hypocrisy. Even Jesus, Jesus can tolerate any kind of sinner. People are coming from adultery. Jesus says, go, sin no more. People are coming from, Jesus says, you are fine. You are healed. You are forgiven. They drop paralytic. He says, your sins are forgiven. But every time he sees hypocrites, Jesus can't stand it. Hypocrites are people that think they are better than other people. They think, oh, you know, we we don't we don't we can't be we can't be you know we are pure. <laughs> Anyone that takes such persons is a hypocrite, and God stays away from such people. So yeah. So it probably infuriated him and, you know, and he had a confrontation. The technicality of whether he should have or not, I mean, that's, that's happened. It is recorded. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it also probably was good for those Gentiles that he was confronted that way so that for their, maybe their healing, you know, because they were treated like outcasts, like second-class citizens. The Jew is usually very proud, you know, and all that. So, yeah. Hope that helped. Thank you so much, Pa. Even even says that some of the Jews begun to stumble as regards, uh, as, as a result of that, um, Peter shying away from, you know, doing the right thing. So, yeah, thank you so much, Pa, for that. Debbie, are we good? Debbie, we good? Not more. He said, he said there's one more. But, oh, so, so before you before you read that thing, so it is so it's also so important for us to understand that it doesn't make Peter less of a man of God or less of a Christian. There are some Christians that will never move past certain way of reasoning. They will, and they are still God's children. But what you need to realize, you and I need to understand and realize that we should not allow their mental block to imprison us. But we should love them regardless. Praise God. Stop. People that will never move past a certain They will never do it. They have a bias. They will never move. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) May that not be you in Jesus' name. (laughs) Amen. Okay. Amen, yeah. Do we have anyone that has a question in the order to So this will be the final question. Is that yeah, what you're okay. trying to say? Yeah, I'm saying okay. if you do, do have, we can take it now. Otherwise, anyone? Okay. Debbie, go ahead, please. It says, good evening, Papu. As the shepherd over this ministry, do you make all the decisions? Like most every conclusion as other departments be brought to your table before a final conclusion. But that's not even true. How is that even possible? <laughs> so, I, yeah, so let me just answer the question. No, I don't make all the decisions. Mostly, I don't even know what happens on, on department levels. We have capable leaders that the decisions stop at their desk. You know, um, I mean, 
um, some things get escalated to me, of course, because, you know, of, of the weight, but mostly I don't get to make the decisions on those, on those levels. Yes, I do not. Yeah. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everyone that sent in questions, God bless you. Amen. Has today been a blessing to you? Come on, say amen like you mean it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And let's give a clap offering unto the Lord for Papi. Okay, let's put our hands together for the Lord. Well done, Pastor Richard. Everybody say, God bless Pastor Richard. <laughs> okay, so, Father, as we go, we ask that your presence will go with us. Make the crooked places straight before us. Break in pieces the gates of brass. Cut in sunder the bars of iron. Give unto us the treasures of darkness, the hidden riches of secret places, and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so it is that shall be. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Who are we? Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh.